0: It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King.
1: Welcome to Crazy and the King. We are so excited and we've been working on getting our next interview for several months and definitely I think for me personally, a great way for our our female, our our women listeners and maybe our men too probably uh, to kick off 2020 is to think about um, what our our next guest has to say. So I want to welcome Dana Look Arimoto to the show. And Dana is the founder and CEO of Phoenix to the Fifth, a leadership and executive coaching company that helps corporations and leaders transform at an accelerated rate. As an advisor, coach, speaker, mentor, and author of Stop Settling, Settle Smart, Dana is evangelizing her new mindset, method, and movement to destroy the myth of work-life balance. Dana, welcome to Crazy and the King.
0: Thank you so much for having me on. I love your show.
1: Thank you so much. That's That's one of the highest compliments, and we are so excited to have you on the show. Um, So first, tell us a little bit about Dana and how you came to this Stop Settling, Settle Smart uh, phenomenon.
0: Sure, it is a phenomenon. It took about 25 years, including running companies, helping founders build it build and sell companies, single parenting for about 11 of those years to realize it's actually not possible or sustainable to have work-life balance.
1: So say that part one more time for me.
0: Sure. So after 25 years of running companies and building companies for founders and helping them exit and sell their companies, While also having 11 of those years experienced as a single parent, I realized there is no such thing as work-life balance. It's a myth.
1: So what you're telling me is that I've bought into this whole lifestyle of work-life balance as, as a woman, as a mother, as a single mother for a period of time myself, that what I've been trying to achieve my entire adult life is just not going to happen.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll clean. It. I'll keep it clean. It's it's a bunch of BS. And we've been sold a bill of goods and nowhere greater in the country or even in the world. I've spent a lot of time globally as well throughout my career and life in Silicon Valley, where I've spent the last 22 years. We are all taught that that's the way it's supposed to be. You can have it all. You have to do it all at one time to get there.
1: Yes, and as I was reading through just some of the, um, the the pieces of "Stop Settling, Settle Smart," I felt like I was reading a book that was written to me directly, and that doesn't happen very often. I, I don't, at least not to me, but all of the things that you talked about, you know, having the idols like Sheryl Sandberg and and some of the other very powerful women in Silicon Valley immediately started resonating with me. And I know for myself, I I know I don't have good life work life balance. I'm a bit of a workaholic and I really value how it makes me feel to be able to um, provide for my family and support them in a way that was different than, than how I grew up. But at the same time, I also am recognizing now that my kids are getting older, how much of that time has been taken by them or by work versus the, the balance of time that I've been giving to them. And so, you know, just even that, that very start of the book just resonated with me in such an, a powerful way. I jumped right on and took the stop settling quiz. And sure enough, it told me that uh, <laughs> I put my career first, but I want to um, put my family first. And so tell me, you know, how, give me the the two to three minute advice on, How do you really start to have those honest conversations with yourself? And, you know, also, how do you get past the guilt, I think, as a parent and also as a producer at work? I mean, you've done some incredibly important high level work as as in your career. How did you decide you're done and and what's your advice to how to get there?
0: Yes, this is an incredibly important series of questions and I'll tell a quick story so we keep your listeners engaged. And also I just wanna shout out to you for being so open and your story is my story and my story is your story. So when the stop settling methodology and mindset resonates with people and they want to join the movement to settle smart, our stories are the same. And yes, I do speak a lot to women my coaching is both men and women, and a lot of executives and senior leaders that have the same conflict that we have, which is that quote unquote proverbial balance between my family and my career. Of course, we're also providing for our families. So the line's super blurry, and to dump the guilt is part of the answer to the questions I was asking for my whole life. So my journey was really helping other people, growing teams, mentoring, developing, hiring, training, sometimes firing, helping founders build equity and grow their companies, sell them so that they could retire and retire to what they really desired, not retire from something, but to something. And all those glimpses and vantage points for me started to really resonate. And as I was having more and more success and building other people's success as well, I started to really feel torn, torn at the things I was missing as I was traveling when my kids were younger, torn at the things I was missing in terms of even giving back in my own community. Etc., etc. And of course, over time, I got worn out. So I call it the hamster in the wheel, running a sprint inside of a marathon, balancing on top of a teeter totter. And eventually, you get sick enough and the light bulb goes off, and you decide, oh, maybe it's time to hit reset. And that's what I did.
1: So tell us how you developed the method to get to what is it that I really want?
0: First of all, that question. Most people don't ask themselves, and it's not some dinner conversation. I don't know how you feel about that, but that never came up at my dinner table.
1: No, never, not once.
0: Even when I was younger, I don't remember anyone talking about it. And with my own kids who, happy birthday to my youngest, she's 16 today and my oldest will turn 20 in February. Happy birthday. Annika, <laughs> you get to hear this. We, we never had that conversation. We would play high, low, and I would do everything I could just to get them to the dang dinner table. But we never said, what do you really want? First of all, I think as a parent, you're a little afraid of the answer because it might be something grandiose that we feel compelled to give them that we can't work really don't want to or need to. And it also isn't common language, even in the workplace, to say, tell me what you really want beyond your career. Of course, we know the most culturally attractive, diverse, and equity-based, inclusive environments at work today. We do talk about things that are way beyond work, and we take the mask off. We don't wear a mask at work if we're our authentic self. So that's really where it begins. And the quiz is just a quick and easy and free way to self-assess where you are in all of life's key facets.
1: I I think for myself, again, just a a kind of personal reflection on what you've written is that I don't know that I've had that conversation, that honest conversation with myself. I, I, I agree with that. I think it's really hard for women to break the the mindset of well, I want to be an executive, I want to be a great mentor and peer, and I also want to have kids who are graduating from Harvard and have fully cooked vegan fresh meals every single meal of the day. And, and also my house should be spotless. And I knew like, I just kind of run through, oh, and why didn't I go to the gym today? I forgot to go to the gym today. And and it's that I think that's the hamster run that my brain is on every single day is how much time do I waste being frustrated for the lack of things that I got done. And what's really not even what's reasonable. I, I think that's the wrong mindset too. Is is what is my priority? And so, how do you how do you coach to help kind of get in the right headspace? Yes to to be able to get there yes. and prioritize better.
0: Well, first of all, your listeners need to follow your lead, and you're being super open and honest about where you're at. And let's face it, if we lie to ourselves you know, you, you don't need to listen to this podcast. Let's not waste your listener's time because it's very clear. We have to be honest with ourselves and then honest with somebody else that we love and that loves us to help us hold ourselves accountable. We have to dump the shoulds. We are shoulding ourselves to death. I should go to the gym. I should pick up the kids. I should go to every soccer game. And every practice, how about just the games and not the practice? Okay. And tell them upfront authentically and directly. This is in my book actually from an amazing woman that I am just in so much admiration of. She runs a bunch of boards. She's built a bunch of companies. She's got a bunch of kids. She's like, look, I'm Canadian. She's very funny. I'm Canadian. We don't do this. I didn't know this was like some universal thing in Canada, but we should all move to Canada. There's a should. Let's all move to Canada. So she actually says to the kids, I will not be at any practice. I will be at every game whenever humanly possible and leaves herself an out. And she doesn't feel bad about it. They don't expect her at practice. And every once in a while, poof, she materializes at a practice and, you know, she gets props for it. I didn't get props for going to every single gymnastics practice. They didn't even want me there. So,
1: but if you're not there, then then you're in trouble, right?
0: <laughs> Big trouble. And they love to, you know, they just smash your face in it. Right. Because that's, <sighs> that's what they do. <sighs> Yay, oh.
1: children. Yes. Our kids are also the same age, by the way, Dana.
0: Oh, um, <laughs> that's another show. <laughs>
1: We we should probably support uh, create a support group. Please. but <laughs> So are having honest conversations about how to prioritize what's important and honestly prioritize what's important. If getting to every practice is important to to me, um, it's not. but if it were, how do I then start to create the mind shift that it's okay to say I'm going to be at every practice, but at work, I'm gonna miss the last hour of the day on Thursday, or I'm working from home on Mondays and Fridays. Like I think my struggle, or at least where I'm trying to get with this question, is how do I learn to say no to certain things and yes to the things that that really are that priority and not just fall into the back into the old habits of always working till seven o'clock and then feeling guilty because Dinner is not on the table at 630, that kind of thing.
0: Everyone goes through this when they have competing priorities, whether you're a parent or not, regardless of age or race or socioeconomic status or where you were born in the world. We all deal with competing priorities and not being clear about what you value, what's productive and what brings you joy is the beginning of the issue and the beginning of where the guilt comes from. So my strongest advice to my clients and to your listeners, and when I give a, a talk and I'm with, I don't know, 1200 women at a tech event in New York a couple weeks ago, I give the same advice. Know what you want and say yes when you mean yes and say no when you mean no. The, the real challenge is when we say yes to something that we really in our gut, our, gut, our heart and our mind, we really mean no. We are already out of alignment with ourselves and it's not authentic. So you're settling good, bad or indifferent. Sometimes settling's great. Sometimes settling isn't so great. It depends on you situationally and relatively. And it's when you're aware and choosing that you're conscious and voluntary with what you're trading off and prioritizing. The opposite is kind of the norm the autopilot. We just kind of let it happen to us. And then we wonder why we're so depleted.
1: Yes. And when we wake up and our kids are older and our career is in a different place than we wanted it to be. Um, it's So, you know, when you think about also, you know, as, as a leader in, in my organization, I'm also always trying to figure out how to best position our workforce to Give them the best work life balances possible, but also then selfishly to get the most productivity out of them. And so, as a leader and, and with such a, a strong background in business, how have you or how do you now use your techniques and methods to help other leaders optimize their, their workforce, if that's an appropriate question?
0: It's a great question. And it isn't selfish to expect productivity, it actually separates your high performers and your low performers. And believe you me, having, you know, worked with literally the hiring, training, mentoring, developing, sometimes firing thousands of people around the world over all those years it's a universal truth that when people don't love what they do and they're in the wrong gig, they're not gonna be a high performer. They're just never gonna be a high performer. So there's nothing wrong with expecting and encouraging and rewarding high performance and productivity the exchange is what's missing in today's society, which is the work-life integration. So, for example, some companies that I work with give people a total reward system where they get underwriting for their gym membership, or they get X amount of hours time off to go to the kids' soccer game or practice if that's what they choose to do, without having to make a big deal about it and you know ask for permission or beg for forgiveness, like companies are starting to really wake up to, don't just feed them three meals a day at Google. Maybe if they don't need all that food or want it, you could give them a subsidy from that allocation of what you spend on all that food towards something they really love and value. Maybe they wanna go volunteer once a week and do something with the homeless. Encourage that. Everybody wins, it's brand enhancing, and it's life enhancing. You know,
1: that, A lot of what I do in in my day job, other than being the uh, the co host of Crazy and the King with with my one of my favorite guys, Torn Ellis, I am the executive director for a company called Disability Solutions, and we help big companies hire talented people with disabilities. And um, a lot of things that we talk about a lot are finding those hidden gems of of benefits. That are very important to my community and having that flexibility and also allowing everyone to bring their entirety to to work, to bring their whole selves to work. And in my personal experience and and then in in the corporate world, I found that management and leaders really are hesitant to identify their workforce as, uh, let me just say it bluntly, is anything other than a wheel in the cog or a cog in the wheel, um, a cog in the machine. There we go, a cog in the machine. Because once they start to listen to what's happening in their lives where they need balance and that they feel that it opens up risk in terms of managing performance and managing expectations and it almost puts them at a point of weakness and we're battling against that every day that that authenticity to allow people to bring their whole selves to work and do you have any thoughts on as a leader how to have kind of those more authentic conversations and to get to know your staff better as whole people so that you can you know, they're amazing. I love what you talked about with the total rewards and, and those, those benefits that are so critical. But we know that employers or employees leave bad managers, they don't leave bad jobs. And so, how do leaders at the frontline level really get to that place with their staff where they can have those genuine, authentic conversations and not feel like, oh, this is going to come back and bite me in the ass eventually?
0: Yeah. Let me start by just saying that people follow what you do, not what you say. And so if you're a leader of any kind, whether you manage people directly or not, you need to show up because what you do is what they follow, not what you say. So that's number one. Second of all is if you are the leader, especially if you're an executive, we have more responsibility to be authentic. If we're not, there's no way in hell we can expect our teams to be authentic because we just made it really scary for them. And also it might feel like they're putting themselves into a position where they may get in trouble. They may get fired. I mean, it just sends this nerve throughout the company that if you're really you, you're full, you, there's probably hell to pay. So we've got to show up as authentic and vulnerable leaders and we've got to do that every single day. We also have to get in people's heads. It is amazing to me how many CEOs I actually coach that don't necessarily know people on their teams and then their directors or VPs or executive team that have the lion's share of the staff reporting up through their organizations don't really know people, they're not really in their heads. And so management by walking around, virtually or live, is a little old school, but boy oh boy, it's universal. Get to know what they want, what they don't want, what they care about, what they don't care about. That's actually your job, not just you, Julie.
1: <laughs> yes, but me too. Um and, and I, you know, and I think that's and that does become pervasive to a culture, right? We can see when You have engaged leadership when you have authentic leadership or when every person in the org is using the same buzzwords and promoting the same bad behaviors or sins of the system that are making people leave, making people unhappy, making them feel unvalued. And I I absolutely 100% agree that there are not enough leaders in the world saying that it's okay to be flawed and that it's okay to be who you are and this is who I am and I'm flawed as a leader. And I I get that because it is hard because you are the leader. You want everyone to follow you. But if they can't trust you because they don't feel like you're talking to them as a human being either yourself as a human being or them as a human being, then you're not gonna, you're not going to get that trust. But I think, you know, even as, as a younger leader myself and a female, that's that's always been a challenge for me that I've been kind of constantly focusing on how to be vulnerable, but not feel too vulnerable. So, you know, I think I'm probably still figuring that out myself.
0: It's a slippery slope and it feels like the danger zone. I just want to point out something so amazing that you just said for your listeners. Trust is built on two parts, competence and character. And competence is made up of results. There's your productivity and capability. Do you have the strengths to do the job? Are you in the right job? Do we have room to move somebody if they're not in the right job? You know, do we make things available to people that are differently abled. I'm a major advocate for people with disabilities. My sister was disabled, like I, I've grown up in that environment. So I love the work that you do. Everybody is differently abled in some way. And I have yet to meet anybody that's not somewhere on the spectrum. We're, we're not perfect because we are human. The other half of trust is character and is built on integrity and intent. And so those things have to be in alignment to have a great culture. And there's engagement scores and net promoter scores and scores ad nauseum quantitatively that we can look at way beyond something like a glass door where it's kind of squishy and somewhat you know self-fulfilling and not all that authentic or quantifiable. But there's so many good quantifiable scores of how companies are doing with engagement, loyalty, and trust. We know who the good companies are and who they are.
1: So as we kind of wrap up, what kind of just one last question going into 2020, if you had one piece of advice or one challenge to stop settling and and to settle smart other than to read your book, which everyone should do because I'm I'm getting a lot out of it, um, what would that piece of advice to start 2020 be?
0: That's an awesome question. Do one thing. Decide which of the five life facets that we all share, career, family, friends, society, vitality, decide which area you wanna do one hour a week more in and which area you want to do one hour a week less in and trade it off. Make a conscious voluntary prioritization. Take that hour from one of those areas that maybe doesn't serve you or you're overfilled in that area and give it to an area that's a little bit anemic for you. Perhaps it's vitality. I find this to be true most of the time. And put yourself, me, before we.
1: I love it. So I just took the quiz, and it's at quiz.settlesmart.com. I'll also put this on our Facebook page and out through our Twitter and in the show notes. And Dana, tell us how we can
0: find you on all of the socials. Yes, of course. So the website, SettleSmart.com, Twitter's at Dana to the Fifth, and Insta is Dana Look Arimoto, and I would love to hear from people how they're doing in the new year and what incremental conscious choices they're going to make.
1: Awesome. And I assume we can find the book on Amazon? Yes. Wonderful. We'll put a link to the, or, and I'm sorry, one more time. We'll put a link to Amazon for the book in the podcast show notes as well. Um, Dana, thank you so much. It, this is probably kind of a geeky girl conversation for our listeners because I, I'm just very transparent all the time, but it was very fun. And I think everyone should read this book. It it really is Just another step in letting go of all that guilt and doing what we love because life is short. We only get one shot at it, right?
0: That is for sure.
1: Wonderful. Thank you for joining us today. Torrin and I will be back next week with a brand new show and ready to rock 2020 with you. See ya. Thanks for listening to Crazy and the King podcast. I'm Julie Sowash, your co-host with Torn Ellis. Follow us on social media as Torn Ellis or Julie Sowash. And also follow our hashtag, Crazy and the King. This episode was produced by my gorgeous husband, Chad Sowash. And our music is by DJ Cell, straight out of Baltimore. You can find Crazy and the King wherever you find your podcasts. Please rate us. And if you like it, share it with a friend. We'll see you soon.